Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. So I want to start off by telling a story on myself. Well, first of all, let me just say, normally, and in most ways, Daniel and I, our house is lovely and uh, certainly clean and tidy, but we do have one room in the house. We euphemistically call it the craft room. Not too long ago, uh, Daniel and I were working on Easter hats, and at one point, now now why zip ties would be important in the making of an Easter hat, well, well, you had to have seen the hats, I guess, (laughs) I hope. You did. But anyway, I was sent on a mission down to the craft room to try to find some little zip ties that he just knew were down in there. And I have to say, I opened the door and it was like, oh my gosh, where to start, right? There was a, a still a, a pile of stuff left over from doing Christmas wrapping. There was a bunch of Daniel's uh, sewing projects kind of half done. There was a wall of shelving with all kinds of stuff on it and a table laid out with uh, several projects in progress. And I had <laughs> kind of no idea. And, and the reason I bring this up is when we embark upon a series of newness, when we want to start a new project in our life, right? What if I had wanted to start a new craft project in that room? Where would it have fit? And so my fear is that that even as spring is here, even as we're ready to start something new, even as there uh, there's that urge to to be new and and to try new things, is there actually room for newness in our lives? Do we have the space? Do we have the orderliness to take charge and move forward? You know, we're using a a new book this month. It's called Dream Big by Bob Goff. And one of the things he says that I absolutely believe it's true, and that's that we already have everything that we need to be successful and happy in life. Now, he recognizes that happiness is one of those inside-out kind of things. And so when he says that we have everything that we need, of course, it's our, it's our thoughts, it's our experience, it's, a, it, it's knowing what makes us happy and so forth. And, and so although we have everything that we need to pursue happiness and joy and newness, I wonder if it's a little bit like the craft room that I have at home? Is it so filled up with the things that maybe aren't as important or the things that were unfinished or the things from the past that literally, how do I begin something new? Well, I think we're going to enjoy this book. Let me read the the promise of the book from the dust jacket here. It says, Bob Goff is on a mission to help people recapture the version of their lives that they dreamed about before fear started calling the shots. He wants them to dream big. In this revelatory yet utterly practical new book, Bob takes you on a life-proven journey to rediscover your dreams and turn them into reality. And so we're going to have fun. It's very much an action-oriented book. And today, we're setting up that action. We're going to clear out some of the stuff, perhaps, that's cluttering our mind and our hearts and our spirits so that we can move forward. I think another place, though, to start is the idea of the pencil. So, 
I don't know if you know, I, I looked it up. The pencil was invented in 1795, and it was actually invented by one of Napoleon Bonaparte's campaign leaders as a way to both puzzle out and record some of the things that were going on on the battlefield. They could actually create charts and so forth of what was going on. Really led to some early successes of Napoleon's on the, on the battlefield. So the pencil, 1795, Guess when the eraser was created? Right? The other end of the pencil? <laughs> we had to wait over 225 years before someone figured out we needed an undo button. <laughs> we needed to be able to start fresh. We needed to be able to perhaps erase what has gone before or at least make amendations to it, corrections to it, so that we could move forward. And that's where we are this week. That's where we are today. I'd like to give you some tools that you can use in your own life to, I don't know, you might think of it as organizing the clutter. You might think of it as editing the clutter. You might think of it as a way of seeing what's important to you. Because what I do know is the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about newness. And is it newness for you? Or is it newness that you just think you want? See, I think there's a, a, a kind of an inertia to our lives that, that maybe has us on a path that isn't even our path anymore. And Bob Goth in the book talks about asking three questions before we move forward in newness. And I'd like to share those three questions for you today. Two of them even have worksheets. If you go to our website on the front page and, and look at today's talk on the path to newness, you'll see links to a couple of uh, worksheets that you can download yourself and work through answering a couple of these three questions. Let's start with the first one. The first question is, who am I? When I walk into that craft room, I have a purpose. I know who I am. In that moment, I'm someone who's working on Easter bonnets, and so I'm going to be looking for the things I need to make an Easter bonnet. But if you're approaching some kind of newness, who are you? What baggage, what past are you bringing with you to start looking for that newness? And so when I ask the question, who am I, you might start by saying some of the things that come to mind first off. You might say, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a worker, I'm a friend, I'm a good citizen, I'm a good neighbor, I'm a careful driver. You might come up with a whole long list of things, but I, I want to caution you, is that you or is that just what you've done? Because I think there's a subtle difference here. What you do is part of your history, what has gone before. You are a certain kind of father based on how you raised your children. You are a certain kind of spouse because of the interactions that you've had with your spouse. You are a certain kind of driver because of your experiences on the road. It, it's all based on what you've done. And then you're looking through the lens of what you've done and saying, well, that's who I am. I am that person. But do you see the trouble with this? It presumes that that trajectory is going to keep on going. I'm going to continue being that kind of husband. I'm going to be continue to be that kind of driver and so on. And maybe that doesn't fit anymore. 
When you think of these various roles that we have in life, did you create them? (laughs) I don't think so, right? Weren't we trained at what it means to be a husband by observing our own parents? Don't we realize that what it means to be a good father or a good mother or a good driver or a good worker have all been defined mostly by other people? So when we embark upon this idea of newness this spring, when we want to, when we want to just charge ahead with, with something that's new and bright and beautiful, are we doing it on our behalf? Or are we doing it for someone else? Are we doing it for society? Are we doing it for Madison Avenue's advertising campaign of what you should look like and how you should be in the world? And so by asking the more fundamental question of who am I, it begins getting underneath the what you've done to who you are. What are your values? What do you stand for? So another way of answering the questions would be, what do I stand for? What do I believe about myself? What's true about me? Not about just what I've done or what I've created or what I've achieved, but who am I? What's the essence of being Larry? Is it kindness? Is it joy? Is it the zest for life? Only you can answer those questions for you. And if you download the worksheet online that goes with today's message, you'll see that I've created this, of course it's fabulous, uh, a who am I exercise. And if you work your way through that, I think you'll get a better idea of what's, what's beneath your creation. You've created a version of yourself. I'm calling it Larry 1.0 today, right? And I've created that based on all of my past history. And it's lovely, don't get me wrong. But if I want to approach Larry 2.0, is it just going to be tweaked a little bit? Or am I going to experience real newness? Well, first of all, I have to know what Larry 1.0 is. We all owe it to ourselves to be introspective enough to be able to answer that question, who am I? What do I stand for? What's important to me? What values are key in my life? What can I let go of? Because maybe it isn't really me anymore. Have you met people that are a little bit lost with their lives? Oftentimes this will come up after some kind of a life event change. Uh, for instance, when, uh, when maybe adult children or teenagers move away from home, suddenly the mom and the dad, those roles aren't very necessary anymore, right? Or at least much less necessary. I think they call them empty nesters. Empty nesters have a whole situation before them as they redefine really who they are. They've spent probably 20 years of their life mostly identifying with a role as a parent. Now who am I? The same thing happens if uh, there's the death of a spouse or a divorce. Who am I? I defined my whole life according to that relationship, or at least a big part of it. Who am I now? Is it who I want to be? Do I even know what's important to me anymore? Or, Or did I define what's important to me by what was important to us or to the family? or to the job that I used to have that I don't have anymore. 
Okay, now it makes sense when we have a life event, it, we, we're forced to reevaluate, right? If you don't have that job anymore, of course, you're forced to reevaluate how you are as a worker or as an employed person or an unemployed person. You're forced to. But if you want to experience newness this year in a fundamental new way, if you want to come out of uh, the COVID-19 retreat in a way that is fundamentally new, you're going to have to take a look at who you are. The next question is, where am I? And this is an interesting one, too. Now, of course, I don't necessarily mean it literally, right? I do actually know that I'm in Portland, Oregon at the Center for Spiritual Living. But the where am I question has more to do with where you fit into the world around you. And so it has more fundamental questions like, what is my job like? And am I okay with that? What is my relationship like? And is it pleasing to me? What is my my home like? Where am I in the midst of being a homeowner? Is that pleasant to me? Are there pluses and minuses and what are they? Where am I in the process of, of being a parent or being a husband? Am I doing a good job of it? How do I evaluate myself? Where am I in this process of life. And in fact, you may even want to look at where am I in this process of being a human being? Am I healthy? Am I satisfied with my level of activity and so on? So that's the where am I? After we do the who am I? What's important to me? What do I stand for? What are my values? Then we ask, where am I? In the midst of this life, I've got all these things going on. And I've developed a, a little bit of a worksheet for you to download as well, an exercise on where am I. I, I invite you as homework this week to download those two worksheets and, and work through them. And, and, and I think you'll discover that that will really help us next week when we start claiming the newness that we desire because we'll be doing it from that lens of knowing what's important of knowing who we are it's as though we're going to spend a little bit of time this week cleaning out and organizing that craft room right we're going to put our thoughts in order our beliefs in order we're going to understand who we are what works and what isn't working. And that way, when we approach newness, we know it's going to be something that lasts. The other important thing that I got from the book this week that I want to talk about is a really interesting idea. And he presents it as something that uh, he learned from his wife. She asked him one time, are you willing to trade what is familiar or easily available for what is actually worthwhile. I'm going to say that one more time. This was advice to Bob Goff from his wife. She said, honey, are you willing to trade what is familiar or easily available for what is actually worthwhile? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about your success as just something that kind of was the least common denominator? What, what I could reach for in terms of success that was easily obtainable or familiar to you? Have you thought about the maybe your primary relation? Well, what what is the least amount of effort I can put into it so there's harmony in my home? What what's easily available to me in terms of happiness? 
that, that kind of keeps the wolf at the door <laughs> instead of inside. Now, I don't know whether we want to call that settling for what is good enough or whether we want to call it uh, almost backing away from risk. But what I do know is that when we're satisfied with what is easily available, we're probably missing out on the stuff that's really worthwhile. Do you know what's really worthwhile in your life? Or have you been working perhaps a little bit on automatic pilot? See, I think we're all on a trajectory, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? At some point in our life, we, we saw a goal that we wanted, and, and we oriented ourselves towards that goal, and, and then we started walking towards it, and, and no problem with that, right? It's, it's good. We saw a goal, we moved toward it, but, but what if that goal was set on Larry version 1.0, <laughs> and now I have a new goal, it feels awkward almost then to change trajectory. You know, one of the things I had uh, to do in school as I was getting my uh, degree in uh, in business was a whole lot of accounting classes. And I have to say, I remember almost nothing about them. And that's a good thing. Uh, but one of the things I learned that I did remember is the idea of sunk costs. There's this idea that, oh my gosh, I've already spent... $500,000 on this home or this project or whatever it is, I only need to spend just maybe 5000 more and I'll be able to flip that house. I just need to be able to spend just 10000 more and and we're going to turn this problem around. I just need to be able to invest, you know, just another 50 hours of my time and I know that whatever it is is going to be successful. And you do that and well, it's not quite successful yet. But if I just put another 5000 into it, my gosh, I've already spent so much money on this. I've already spent so much time on this. If I tried just a little, well, everything you have spent, money, time, resources so far, are what in accounting terms we call spent costs. They are not a good predictor of where you should be spending your time, and your effort. The accountants always warn us, and, and, and we learned how to do this in school. We would go up to people and say, you need to reevaluate the project, the desire, the dream, the success, based on ground zero of where you are right now. Do not think that because you have invested a lot of your time and money and effort into something in the past, that it is a good idea to continue it. Those costs, whether they be your time, your emotion, your belief system, whatever it is, every resource you have devoted to doing something in the past, today is the fresh start. Today we look at it from ground zero and we say to ourselves, if spending 50 hours on this and I'm not sure of the result, is it worth doing? I don't look at the 10,000 hours I've already put into it, right? That's in the past. I have to look it right in the eye and say, is this marriage, is this job, is this course of action, is this relationship 
is this car worth putting more into it? And when we know what we're made of, when we know what we stand for, when we know who we are, when we know where we are, then we can make those good decisions. So again, I want to back you up to the thought of your homework for this week. And, and you know me, usually I'm pretty uh, okay with homework being optional. I will say if you want to get the rest and the best of this month of Bob Goff's book and what we're going to be presenting for the rest of the month, I really would urge you to do the homework. Okay, on to question three, though. And and there isn't a homework sheet around it because question number three, we're actually going to work through a little bit more next week. The third question is simply, what do I want? You want newness in your life, but given who you are and given where you are, then what is it that you want? This is back to the question that his wife asked him. Are you willing to trade what is familiar or easily available for what is actually worthwhile? So what is actually worthwhile in your life? And we're going to be talking about that some more next week. We're going to be on, we're going to be leaving the path of newness and starting to actually be new next week. So let me just go over a little bit about what we covered today. We've set ourselves up for this idea of dreaming big, and that's uh, the title of the book by Bob Goff that we're using this month. Big dreams are important, but you need to know first who is having that dream and where they are on their current path, their current trajectory. Is that big dream you're going to have a dream of someone that doesn't even exist anymore? Is it a dream of someone on Madison Avenue that had an idea of who you should be? Is it a dream of what your wife or your husband thinks you should be? Is it a dream of uh, what your employer thinks it should be? Or is it your dream? So we've covered the idea that we must trade the good that's easily available for something that's truly worthwhile. We've learned that the eraser is as important as the pencil, right? We need to be able to undo, perhaps, to make room, to organize our thoughts, our beliefs, everything that has gone before, so that when we open up our minds to newness, we're seeing it from the eyes of someone that we recognize, someone that we love, someone whose opinions we value, someone who knows truly what is important and worthwhile. And finally, we've asked three important questions that will help us dream big. Who am I? Where am I? And what do I want? Again, you can skip this step if you want. We certainly will be talking about some valuable steps for claiming newness in our lives in the coming weeks. But I would argue that if you download those two worksheets and really get familiar with who you are and where you are, you'll be cleaning out the things that might be holding you back, the things that might be sending you down the wrong path of newness, someone else's newness rather than yours. Well, I want to close with a quote from the book and, of course, a prayer. He says, I believe that this pursuit of newness is a combination of finding answers to the three big questions. Who are you? Where are you? And what do you want? These are some simple words, but they are actually some of the most beautiful 
the most difficult and most confusing questions that we can ever ask of ourselves. They can be a cocktail of identity, desire, purpose, rejection, life experience, struggle, fear, hope. Oh my gosh, it's the whole craft room, right? It can be everything rolled into one. If we're going to discover and realize our most beautiful and lasting ambitions, the ones that are really worth pursuing, we have to lean in to these three questions. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life. There is only this one thing. And like the infinite craft room, everything there is exactly what you need. Let us now ask for guidance in finding it. Let us find out who we are. And so, so for myself and for everyone within the hearing of my voice, this week I claim that ability to do a bit of introspection, to see what's important, to see who we are, to see where we are on this glorious path of life, to understand a little bit more about what I stand for, who I am, to be present to myself. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone, that capability to look within and to sort out what is important from simply what has gone before. And so I give thanks for this. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law, that helpful law that always says yes. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, now is our time of conscious contribution. First of all, I want to thank everybody who on an ongoing basis does contribute to the Center for Spiritual Living. You know, we have many monthly donors that, and, and weekly donors that uh, pledge their support to us to keep our, our wonderful world ministry here uh, running along. I uh, also like to thank those people that from time to time mail in a check or, or perhaps are even going to PayPal right now on our website at cslportland.org slash donate and making a one-time gift. It truly is uh, with great gratitude that we receive your gifts. Our mission of transforming the world, it's actually working. You know, we're seen in over 120 different countries. Our podcasts are heard by thousands of people each week, and, uh, and we really couldn't do it without your support. So thank you. Just a quick reminder before we close today, we're here to support you in prayer as well as uh, the many other ways we, we give you spiritual tools to enhance your life. So if something is going on in your life where you'd like a little assistance prayer-wise, at the bottom of all of our web pages is a little link that says make a prayer request. Just click on that, uh, fill in the, the short form there. It's automatically emailed out to all 10 of our licensed practitioners and ministers. So please take advantage of that. So bless you all. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. 
We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.